Hi, I'm Tim. And I'm Vanessa. And this is Script to Script 11. Yes. Or we begin again, returning. Yeah, sorry about the delay. Uh, we've had a lot of issues with... Insight. Yeah, and it's just... And I... For, I don't know, something about this book. I liked it once I, I read it, but it, I just could not get myself to start reading it. It's a long one. It like is, and a, a lot of dry information in it. But I, I'm glad I did it. And yep. maybe I should say what book it was. Well, clearly, we're talking about The Martian, right? Yeah. Because <laughs> it's very dry. Not, not entertaining at all, right? That was written a hundred and... 50 years ago. 150 years ago. <laughs> no, we did 20,000 Leagues Under the Sea by Jules Verne. And not because it was a free book that you can just get on your Kindle. Yeah. Although that may have had something to do with it. Maybe. Maybe I have to spend money in order to read it. It'll motivate you. Yep. I'm like, I can't let this $2 go down the drain. This dollar dollar fifty won't be wasted. Yeah. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to read this. Uh, let's see. So this was a recommendation, wasn't it? Uh, this was a... Or was it just a classic we had written down? I think it was just a classic we had written down. Because, uh, well, should say there aren't... I think there are like two or three movies of it out. But the last one that really happened was the Disney 1954. And I think the reason it hasn't really been tackled again, although they say it's in development on the IMDb, is probably because... I think, in a lot of ways, Disney did a pretty good job. I know it's considered one of the better Disney live-action movies. So I think a lot of people are like, well, why do it? So that is the version we did. Yeah, which makes sense. I mean, there was we could have done the 1907 short one, I guess. Yeah, and I think there's one in, like, 1917, too. But obviously, I don't think we're ever going to bother tackling a silent film. No, that's that's a little difficult to kind of rag on people who were making films back when films didn't have such things as sound. Yeah. Kind of well, rude. I think the the earliest movie we'll probably ever tackle is if we get around to doing Frankenstein. I think we may have to do the original, like the the one. The one that made put Frankens the Frankenstein's monster on the map. Yeah. But neither here nor there, so not gonna worry about it too much. No. So yeah, 20,000 Leagues Under the Sea. Now, here's something interesting that I ran into, which I thought was funny, is that there is a bit in the very beginning where it makes fun of Nebraska, the Nebraska <laughs> Territory. Uh, what does it call it? Do you remember? No. But basically, he just kind of like says that uh, because our main character who narrates it is uh, Aranax. Yeah, we may be saying that wrong. We're just going to go with that. I'm pretty sure it's how they pronounced it in the movie, too. So we uh, that's the closest base reference we have. Uh, but basically, he's been doing some work in the Nebraska Territory, because this is set in 1860-something or other, right? Yes. So well, it predates when it was released in 1870 by a bit. Well, I guess it was serialized. Was it? Which, so it may... It may have started maybe closer to the date they stated, and it actually, the book itself then came out in like 19, or 1870 or whenever it was. So, but it starts off where there are these reports of something, n not necessarily attacking, but damaging ships. There's and 
something in the Atlantic Ocean. Yes. And not just the Atlantic. It's being found all over. Yeah. Which is which is what makes it odd is that it's not only able to do a significant amount of damage on boats and ships and things, is that it it gets spotted in one part and then like hundreds of miles away, not that much later, it's seen again. Which is it's confusing. It's like, well, what could be doing this? And did we decide it was Aranox? Aranex? Aranex, yeah. Aranex. Uh, Aaron X. Yes. Master of Fire, a secretive mutant who's retired from Canada. But he decides that the most likely culprit is a narwhal. A heretofore undiscovered large yes. variant. Basically like a, a prehistoric one. Like one that, that your average one wouldn't be capable of doing, but one that is ascended, you know, from one thousands and thousands of years ago would be the size to be able to to do the damage. Because it's not just being big, it would like be also strong enough to have the force to do it and then have the weapon in order to do it as well. So like Narwhal, I mean, the way he laid it out, it made sense as much as anything else could have. Right. So now he ends up, now he has his little uh, buddy Consuel. Conceal. I always just read it as council. Council. Because <laughs> it's, was it C-O-N-S-E-I-L? Yeah. So yeah, his council. Yes, exactly. In, in the book, it's a little clear. Like, basically, he's supposed to be, like, an assistant who, even though he's he's not really a young man, but he's been with him since he was a young man, so he's probably in his 30s now. Think of it as the Batman to his, or the Robin to his Batman. The Batman pretty, to his own. Pretty much. Either or. Yeah. So he's always hanging out with our professor friend. And they end up hanging out. What is it? They're waiting for it. I think the plot is similar in movie and book. And they're trying to get a boat to the Orient. Because this was back when you could say the Orient and it wasn't considered racist. Yes. Well, you still can as long as you're buying cheap knickknacks. From a catalog. Yes. Then... And like, let's say you're exchanging, like almost trading things, then you can include it. Yeah, and and you can say and you can say the Orient when you're referring to things that have the word in there, the Orient. Yeah, <laughs> but that's about it. If 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 you ever hear anyone refer to, like you know, South Asia and other parts of Asia as the Orient, you're probably dealing with an old, like slightly racist grandfather. Anyway, they end up getting approached. By a captain, a U.S. captain, who's like, hey, I'm going on this this trip. I'm, I'm not, I would like a biologist. Well, I do, quick mention, though. Um, so not only the character, but the author is French. So so this is a translated from the original language. Uh, so, yeah, I just thought I'd throw that out there just as a heads up. I would hope everyone knew that, being as Jules Verne was not. Yeah. But he, like I said, he does get points for shitting on uh, Nebraska. Yes. So we got to give him that because he's right. The most disagreeable territory at Nebraska. But the fact yeah. is that he's approached by an American crew, like, because I think this is also almost like government sanctioned exploration or something. Yeah. It almost seems like, and he's not an American citizen, makes it even like that much of a bigger deal. Yeah. But, yeah, so the approach to we're going to travel, we're going to try to see if we can 
find this thing. Yeah, do a couple on for scientific observation, basically. Now, uh, that's where now he ends up meeting a man, another main character, Ned Land, on the boat. Whereas this is kind of a change in the movie, is we see Ned Land, played by Kirk Douglas, right off. He's actually the first person we really see character-wise. Mm-hmm. And, it, and I read up on it. It starts where these people are... It almost looks like a western set, like... John Wayne was like, I got a few hours. I don't need to I'm be a, here. I'm on a clear out, Pilgrim. You do your little boat movie if you yeah. want. <laughs> I'm going to go take three hour shits in the corner. Because <laughs> all I eat is beef jerky. Pilgrim. As a man should. As a man should, yeah. So, I, yeah I, don't, the, the, I don't know what reference of you know shit length you have, but three hours seems perfectly reasonable to me. For John Wayne, yeah. Yeah. Anyway... Where, yeah, so they're like, this guy is up on this platform and they're talking about like horrible beasts and all this stuff. And there's, there's a monster yeah. in the ocean and in my trousers, ladies. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, wait, is that supposed to, what is it, that? It'll, it'll puncture your, your hull, ladies. Yeah. It has many hands and tentacles that can go all sorts of places, ladies. It's very sticky, gentlemen. <laughs> Because, again, he's an equal opportunist. You know, he is. Uh, but, yeah, so he's the, the, the one, this one guy's offering, like, double wages because we still got to, you know, ship things, even though a bunch of you people in this time are pansies and believe in sea monsters. Oh, 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 oh. Right? And yep. that's when Kirk Douglas shows up, which... With a couple of women. And then I don't even remember. He says something, and then he gets punched, and there's, like, this fight. And I read up where apparently they added that scene... Because Kirk, Kirk Douglas wanted it added because he was worried that if there wasn't more of his character fighting and then seen with women at least once, that it would, he wouldn't look as like tough Masculine. and yeah. And because at that point he was kind of at the height of his career. And so he needed that. Which you looked up, uh, he's still alive. And he, he was, is. He's he, going to be a hundred, you said? Yes, he turns a hundred this year. Which, holy sheep shit. Well, I mean, after seeing Ant-Man and seeing how fucking old Michael Douglas looks, yeah, I, I guess that's not too surprising. No. But you know, what's, you know what's shocking is, like, just how much, like, clearly Michael Douglas takes after his dad. Like, yeah. One, like, you hear him talk, and if you're not looking at the screen, it sounds like he's like, was that Michael oh my Douglas? God. And how much they look alike. I know. Although the fact that Kirk Douglas is still kicking around at almost 100, and I think he had, like, a pretty severe stroke, like, 10 years ago, is, Wow. But then again, I guess it's like my, or Magic Johnson when you have a shit ton of money you can and, and a serious care. health. Yeah. Yeah. Unless you're Steve Jobs. You're like, no, no. Fruits will cure this. I will juice. I will juice my way back to health. <laughs> Doesn't work, does it? Yeah. I guess he couldn't stand behind the Apple brand that time. He got eye cancer. Ah. It had great market share, though. Actually, oh my God. That would have been funny if he did get cancer of the eye. Just for that joke alone. Just for that alone. Ocular. Anyway, we're a little off topic. As we're <laughs> now calling into question Steve Jobs' diagnosis yeah. and healthcare choices. <laughs> no, uh. no, no, it all ties back because he was a CEO of Pixar, which Disney owns, and the movie is a Disney movie. Boom! Connected it. Yep. We're good. Less than six degrees. Good job, yes. Baconator. <laughs> did you call me Baconator? I did. <laughs> Had to had to tie that in there. See, you see how I brought that all around. Oh my god! 
It's what I'm here for. I'm here for circles. Uh, hey, great circle. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think anyone got that no, reference, it's, it's, but someone should. They should really go watch. But anyway, uh, where are we at? So yes, Michael Douglas or Kirk Douglas. <laughs> Again, you know all these white guys with prominent chins look alike to me. Is that bad? I don't care. Uh, it's okay. You're racist. Yeah. Oh, so yes, there's a thing. Uh, they they do the same similar thing where Aranax and I just want to get this out of the way. It's really weird to me. So in it, Consuel now again, who's supposed to be more like in his 30s or so, uh, and the professor's like in his 50s, 60s, or something along those lines, right? Because clearly, you know, he's he's a learned professor, well known across the world, right? World, right? So in the movie, he's played by Paul, the professor is played by Paul Lucas, who was born in 1891, right? So he's you know. A bit closer to the part. And c- clearly still alive, then. Right. <laughs> well, duh. You know, I couldn't see them pulling a whole weekend at Bernie's thing. So his buddy, his hen- his sidekick, Consuelo, is played by Peter Lore, who you probably know is the creepy guy from Casablanca with the weird bug eyes. Yeah. Right? He was born in 1904. I mean, that's like a 13-year difference, but he doesn't look like he's in his 30s. He looks like he should be... They should. He should be... Just because his weird body shape and how heavy he is, like he just looks like he should be sitting in a rocking chair, you know, like that's drinking iced that's tea. That's something else in this movie, and like <laughs> it, it doesn't matter actually. Like the way they have everyone dressed, it is not flattering, really. Not because, and I think part of it is just that time period of both the eighteen sixties when it's set, plus mixed with. The styles of the 1950s because everyone has like kind of high-waisted tight pants and tight shirts and the shirts are tucked into the pants and it just and clearly no. clearly kirk douglas has like a bit of a gut going and he has that sort of like strong man thing going where he's like occasionally he sucks in his gut really hard yeah he's like, <laughs> and you can tell he's just like holding it in while he's talking to like peter lore or something you know especially when he takes his shirt off arms that one part all akimbo out, out, out to the side like <laughs> well, I guess come see me lift this fifty-pound baller. Whoa! What, what's what's that? Did you just make up a word? I may have, and you wouldn't know, would you? Well, well, I guess we should say also what Ned Land is. Uh, by profession, he's a whaler. At least that's all, I'm pretty sure it's right. He's a because he's a master of the harpoon kind of thing. Goes out, stabs whales. I in thought face. he was a guitarist. Who had a whale of a time. He had a whale of a tail of a time. Yes. Yeah. Also, he makes... A whale of a tail or two. Or two. Well, maybe... Yeah. Perhaps about the flapping fish and girls he loved. Maybe. Maybe. That just... And, and it would have been... I would have allowed it once. Because, okay, in the movie, Kirk Douglas sings this song. And in some ways, we're like, is it just because it's Disney? Oh, jeez. <laughs> we'll have to edit that out. Apparently. Um... Are you marking it? Yeah. Oh, okay. <laughs> he, the dog was licking Tim's soda, and he pushed him aside, and dog freaked out. Tim didn't actually hurt him, but he was startled when Tim pushed him. Apparently. Didn't think I'd notice, huh? He's like, no. Anyway, uh, I, I would have allowed the song once. With, yeah. Because it, it works in a way, because they always talk about, like, sea shanties and things like that so having one of the guys on board sing a song 
works. Uh, and it's a Disney movie, so again, they always like throw it in songs, but it's especially the only back then. Song. It is, and then, and then there are so many times where basically he t- tries to act nonchalant because he's doing things he's once they get on the, on the Nautilus, and instead of like whistling, which is the stereotypical like, "Oh, I'm not doing anything." <laughs> Yep. He he busts out this guitar thing he made out of tortoise shell, and starts strumming. It's like well, tell and then the seals there slapping its paws, yep. flippers, just flipping and flopping together. Yep, and that's supposed to be his. Yep, not not snooping. I'm just yeah. singing song, which I only just started, and you would have heard if you'd gotten closer. Yeah, but you know it's unnamed. Second in command guy. Yeah, just so, general whoever. Uh, but so so they're on this ship, the Abraham Lincoln, trying to find the Narwhal, and they're there for months. Yep. Which I, I'm glad it wasn't like oh after a week we spotted it. It's like because realistically this thing can travel incredibly on, rapidly, yeah, and on any ocean. You wouldn't be able to just spot it right away. No, no. The, the chances, honestly, would be pretty small. Especially if it is supposed to be a whale, because even though whales breathe occasionally, they do spend a lot of time underwater as well. But, and I I totally knew things were going to go tits up, because I killed an albatross in oh. the story. And you are not supposed to kill albatrosses. Those, that that's, is that's bad, bad look. Yeah. And I noticed that. And I don't know if... If, well, I kind of wonder, yeah, if they were paying nod like the concept that that's the albatross or a bad luck. Yeah, I I wonder because you think that'd be something with all the clearly the author put in a ton of research for this. That I'm assuming it was just supposed to be one of those little things that like yeah, if you know sea legends and what is that superstition. Yeah. That, like, that would be something you'd be like, oh. But anyway, so. There we go. Sweet. So eventually they, they spot something. And they start attacking it. And during the, the confusion, because this thing is ramming the boat. And it's coming at them super fast and it doesn't seem to really be hurt by the the harpoons and things they're throwing at it. So holy shit, it may not be a sea monster. Yeah. Uh Aaron Aaron Axe falls off and Council Conswell Conswell f- f- jumps in after him. Yep. And I think I don't remember how Ned Land ends up. I don't know if he's just another like casualty of like the ship getting knocked about. I think so. I think because he was so hell-bent on harpooning it. Now, this is where there's a big difference between the book and the movie and how they get on. Whereas in the book, Nemo brings him on because he basically sees a guy overboard. He's like, well, I'm not a dick. I'll help him out. Yeah. Is ultimately how it goes. In the movie, they basically sneak onto the Nautilus, which is just the door's wide open. And then it's like, hey, this is pretty cool. It's cool. And they look out one of the portholes, the observation glass, whatever it is, and see basically everyone underground or in the water doing a underwater funeral. You know, which actually gets covered in 
the book as well, but yeah. this is obviously a little different. It just it looks so funny in the movie because they have like a coral cross or something, and they're they're all just like bowing down and they're like raising their hands and they're like wiggling all around because clearly they can't talk. Right. So it's extreme pantomime. Which and, again makes sense. Yeah. Doesn't mean it's not funny by all means. It makes us laugh. So they they come back on the boat and they confront them and basically. In in both, it's like, well, now that you're here, you can't leave. Yeah. Either way, you're you're not really a prisoner. Now, in the book, it takes, like, some time before they kind of, like, allow them to really integrate with the crew. Yeah. They kind of keep them confined to this one room and bring them food. And sometimes he actually, like, they actually hate him. They knock him out by reducing the oxygen in the cabin. Yeah, which is pretty screwed up. Which is fucked up, which is weird. It's one of those things that's like, whoa. Like, because Aaron X figures out, he's like, yeah, we all of a sudden got really sleepy. Did he tranquilize us? No, he probably just changed the oxygen ratio in the room and let us pass ourselves out. I had the feeling Nemo was a bit of a pre-Cosby kind of guy. If you know yeah. What I'm <laughs> well, and that's something they don't cover in the movie, which I'm fine with, but in the book is pretty important that at the very least every few days they have to get to the surface to replenish their air supply because yeah they only hold so much and they have like they have some basically like some crude in the book they describe a crude chemical like oxygen exchanger if you will using like potash and a few other you know elements to basically for lack of a better term add additional oxygen give them a little longer time but they generally go like only about a day 24 hours or so underwater yeah and in the book, there is so much explanation and exposition about the how, yeah, the design of it and the resources that they pull from the sea. And like in a lot of ways, it's pretty interesting. But at the same time, when well, when you have like three chapters in a row where it's just Captain Nemo going on and on and on about like. Oh, why would I need to go to land when the sea contains this? I can get it from here. Well, here, here are my cigars, which I make from a, a seaweed, which is just as pleasant as tobacco to smoke. And, oh, and smoother, in fact. You're like, okay, okay. And that, that, it makes it read like a travelogue a lot of times. Yeah. Like, there's a very few parts that really... You, you know what it almost feels like? It almost feels like the Nautilus is a real thing, and it's being sponsored by the Nautilus company. And they paid them a bunch of money to advertise a Nautilus. It's like a pre. It's like a Adam Sandler movie done. Yeah, it's like welcome to Nautilus Cruise Lines. You can go hunting underwater. Enjoy this Dunkin' Donuts coffee, and this Pizza Hut, and some Popeyes. Yep. And Coke. And have some Pepto Bismol when the seas get too rough. Oh my god. Yeah, it's just that scene in uh, Wayne's World. Yeah. But clearly, and in, in I got the same vibe, and I'm sure you did, from like Clan of the Cave Bear, where the author put in so much research that they wanted to make sure you knew what they knew. And almost it's like, oh yeah, yeah, clearly, clearly they, they put the work in. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <clears throat> I, I mean, overall, nothing wrong with that, but I, I just wish it weren't quite so dry. Yeah, it just makes it kind of like a slow, slow read. But in, there's some great stuff. So the weird thing about the book versus the movie, the main character in the book is definitely 
Aranex because it's the basically what you're reading is supposed to be a, like almost a book he's written. So it's everything from his perspective. It's his narration. And in the movie, because they had Kirk Douglas, they shifted where you almost never saw Aaron X. And you, it was mainly about Ned Land and Ned Land wanting to escape. And in the book, that's what happens, is that they're essentially prisoners. They're, they're free to do kind of what they want on the Nautilus, but they can't leave the Nautilus. And I, I get that, especially for Ned Land, who's someone that I think for a lot of people that did go into sailing and doing stuff like that, they're people that didn't want to necessarily be nailed down to one place. They wanted the travel. They wanted that freedom. And yeah. he had that taken away from him. And he couldn't stomach it. Because about halfway through the book, he approaches uh, the the other two. And he's just like, listen, we're, we need to try to get off this. We need to figure out when we're going to be closest to a bit of land that will welcome us and make our escape. Yeah. As soon as we figure out where we are, get me, you know, make good on our leave kind of thing. Yeah. Uh, whereas he basically just does it the entire time in the movie. And actually, Ned Land comes across as a moron, and he's the reason that everything goes all Death Star later. Yeah, because if he hadn't thrown those bottles in the water... Right, with the coordinates of Nemo's home base... Yeah, then they wouldn't have shown up, and and... Then everyone died. Yeah. Spoilers. Well, not everyone, but basically everyone. Yeah. Well, and that you never truly find out Nemo's origins. Not within the movie or in no, the book. Yeah. In, in the, well, in the movie, it's a little more... They end up going to this island where... It, they have slaves. Yeah, and they're cultivating something like... I th- Phosphor and like saltpeter or something like that. Yeah, ingredients but, for like gunpowder, if you will. And he, he, he said that he was one of those wretches once. Yeah. And a bunch of you know he made his escape with a bunch of others, and some of those are still with him today. The crew, which I think is so stupid, because then it's like, well, okay, um, even if you were there, how did you get? The money and resources to make the Nautilus. Right. Then. Where did you get the education to do that? Yeah. I don't know. Anyway, it's like, it's like no, no. You, you see this rug? We're just gonna sweep it right under there. Yep. Don't mind. Yeah. In the movie, he comes across. I still think he comes across as way more psychotic. Oh, definitely. Just like come well, on. especially like the few close-up shots of him, and his he's like super sweaty, and his eyes are just bugged out. He's like, Arr! yeah, he's doing a little bit of the old uh, God. What's that actor? The guy Boris Karloff, who loved the heavy facial expressions. You know, the zoom in and watch his eyes like move around. Kind oh, of thing. you don't have to tell me. Boris Karloff is my birthday buddy. Well, at least you got that going. Yeah, jealous. I had a fish named Karloff after him. Yeah. Yeah, until my dad had me released in the pond, and then we never found it again. Feared forever and died. Yes, may you rest in peace. Anyway, uh, so yeah, there's lots of random things that they, uh, certain things they cut out, obviously, for budget. Yes. Uh, some of them just because it doesn't really add anything. Like, there's a part where, me and Vanessa both talked about this, there's a part where, as the Nautilus comes across, upon some, what they call whales, being attacked by cacolots. Or cachalots. 
which was a word I'd never come across, which is fine because I'm not a uh, eight. I'm not a 19th century whaler, uh, so I had to look it what? up. What you lied in your dating profile? I did. I know. I mean, I had the picture of the spear. It's not mine. It's an heirloom. Sorry. Uh, well, you certainly look like one with your full beard and wax mustache. Yeah. Also, and, and nautical shirt. My rugged knit cap and the way I'm constantly six months out at sea at times. And always mouthing that pipe. Yep. So yes, uh, apparently that's an older term for sperm whales. So they didn't seem to consider them as like, you know, the same as like whales. Yeah, there were a few times where I just kind of turned to you. We'd, we'd be in bed and I, I would be reading and I'd be like, what the hell is this? Yeah. And then Tim would just pull out his laptop and be like, I don't know, let's look it up. Yep. One of the terms I kept using that made me laugh is clearly referring to the poop deck. But yep. they but they just say poop. Go to the poop. Go yeah, the they're, poop. they're like, we'll meet later on the poop. And I'm like, <laughs> oh, good times. Yep. So yeah, so they have in the book, there's a part where they massacre and kill a bunch of sperm whales who are hunting other whales. But they apparently didn't consider them the same as whales back in the day, or at least not when this was written. You know, and they're like, yeah, they're just big monsters of the sea, and they deserve to die. Also, they give us, they'll give us a cool spermaceti, which we can use, and we'll profit greatly by their murder. Hooray. Yeah, and that's something that they, they didn't really do in the movie. In the book, uh, Nemo has a lot of ways to make money. Just tons of ways, yeah. And like, like even the the biggest one, which makes sense, is uh, finding old shipwrecks. Right, scrounging treasure from yeah. old shipwrecks. Now, in the book, they hint where he kind of aids other people. Like he donate, like he stops at a at a port in like Greece and donates a bunch of money to some people there. I don't know what he's supposed to be like handing money over for or donating. But, like, a constant refrain in both the book and in the movie is he's like, I cut myself off from society. In the movie, he holds true to that, where he's basically completely isolated himself and his crew from everything. Yeah. Whereas in the book, it's sort of like there's... He still interacts with the surface, as it were. Yeah, but what it seems more is that he doesn't take resources from the... Like, from land. Where most of the stuff they they use, uh, like materials they need for just the ship, uh, food, a bunch of stuff, even like the electricity, because the, the Nautilus is actually run on electricity, which they use for everything. Yeah, they use a there's a chemical reaction he uses to gen to run the generators. Yeah, and and he gets it from basically like a hollowed out volcano, which they mine from, like in the water. Whereas, whereas in the movie, it just looks like they have like an enterprise reactor. Like when he remember when he shows them that, like yeah, he has to put on this really goofy like metallic like face guard and look into this what appears to be a bright arc welder spark, and that's it. And that's just that's what generates all the electricity that the Nautilus uses. It apparently has cold fusion. I guess it's not clear. I think it was just his flux capacitor. Uh, what? And, the, and you know, it's just, it's too hard to reach 88 miles per hour in the water. So they, they couldn't travel in time. No. Sadly. One of the weirdest scenes in the movie, because in the book, they, they have, they go out into the water in diving suits. And this was something I hadn't realized. It feels like diving suits are something that 
maybe were developed like in the last hundred years. But Tim looked it up. It was what, like the 1700s is when they first started using them. Yeah, like diving suits were, yeah, have been in practice for a long time. Which I was like, oh. No, self-contained. Completely yes. different. But but still, like diving suits existed yeah. by all means. And they, they actually had scenes where people were in the water walking through it in suits. But at one point where it shows them essentially farming for stuff, like they're, they have these nets hanging over where they're cutting seaweed so it floats up into the nets. And they're, so they're, they're like collecting that stuff where they have these sea turtles and it's almost like they're hauling the sea turtles off to jail. Like, where, where, where well, now this is what you get for a rioting boy. Get in the paddy wagon. Yeah. And they're real sea turtles and they each, two guys on each side. Holding have, by, their, yeah, by their flippers. Hold, by their front flippers. And the sea turtle's just like, what'd I do, man? What'd I do? I thought this was America. <laughs> Turtle lives matter. <laughs> Stop making us into wax. <laughs> Which I had a sea turtle. Yeah. It was dead and it hung on my wall. My, my uncle brought it back from like, I don't know, wherever he took his honeymoon. I was like five years old. Hmm. And I guess my mom finally donated to the science department of the school she worked at. Because, I mean, nowadays you definitely could not get one of those. But this was, what, early 1990s when I would have gotten it? Yeah. But I love that thing. That thing was awesome. I let it feel bad that Sea Turtle had to die so it could sit on my wall. But yeah, that like that scene came out with that turtle. I was just like, the hell? Oh my god, PETA would not allow that nowadays. Yeah. Not just, in 100 a hundred years. Yeah, so in... So the novel ends very abruptly. Yes. I think I think we just want to stick that flat out. Uh, in, in in the movie, they sort of try to draw everything into a plot. Like there's a part where uh, Ned, Land, Ned Land obviously wants to get uh, escape. And as we mentioned, he like drops all these bottles with messages and then lists it randomly. They don't ever really show it. He just he's taking specimen bottles and like draining the pure alcohol, sometimes drinking it and then throwing notes out overboard, yeah. which have the name of. The place where Nemo's base is, which is Volcasia or something like that. And that allows, apparently, someone who finds it to locate the base. Uh, well, because in, in the book, it gets to the point where they, they're like, okay, tonight, no matter what, we're jumping ship. We, we need to get <coughs> out of here. Because, um, what did he... Do he had, he had, oh he just attacked a ship didn't he? he I think so. He had attacked a warship, and Aranex was upset about it because he's like there was no reason to do that, and Nemo just looks like it was necessary and blah blah blah. Well, Nemo kind of has this attitude of possessiveness over the ocean. Like he feels because he has a greater mastery because of his tools. Like basically, he owns it. And that anyone who travels it is subject to like his law. Yeah. You know, and his whim. And, and then he once he gets done destroying the ship, he sh- he's like heading back to his room, and Aranex spots a portrait of a woman and two children, and Nemo just kind of breaks down sobbing, like holding his hand out to it. So it, that's like really the only hint you get to his past. Right, which is fine. It's just kind of shocking, like. I get so used to when everyone 
either wants to over-explain someone's past and behavior in a, like a novel or movie, where not at all in this. Yeah. So, so obviously something happened. Something bad enough that he didn't want to be connected to the land anymore. Right. So they, and at that point, once that happens, you can tell that Nemo is kind of breaking a little bit. Something, I, I think maybe he's, because overall throughout the story, he's been kind of impassive and just not showing a ton of emotion about things. And I think at that point, maybe all the feelings he has pushed aside and kind of buried have caught up to him. So he's, even if it's momentary, he's come, he's become unhinged a little bit. Yeah. Where in the movie, they they go to his secret base and they're like, he ends up getting shot in the back. So he goes to like maneuver the Nautilus and then he he's shot in the back so there's blood on his back and people are like, they keep showing a guy directly behind him. It's like, you're not spotting the bullet hole and the blood pouring down your captain's back? Yeah. I no. guess not. And he just kind of walks around like he's holding in a poop. It's yeah. Literally just, he's like, no, he's no, no, stiff. no, no. We decided he looks more like he's been on the can with the worst shits of his life for an hour because he's like walking stiffly, like his butthole hurts from all the wiping, and he's sweating like he's just like, oh man, I've just, I've just been hell and back. And I just need to lay. Down. Yeah, I just need to lay down because I've been sitting for too long. Yeah, my knees are sore. So is my ass. It's just all dug into me. Yeah. Anyway, uh, in the movie, they've decided uh, this is they decided apparently he has a suicide pact that basically when he dies, the Nautilus is going down. Oh, and everyone's going with him, which is weird because in the book, he's a little more sane in the book. He has a thing where he's like, he's like, hey, you know, like when as we as we die, we peter out like the last man who goes down with the Nautilus will pull this thing, which has will release this watertight case. To float the oceans and it has all my records and like detailed plans and everything. Yeah. And eventually someone will find it. Like, but that won't happen until after everyone on the ship passes. Kind of thing. Whereas in the Disney movie, it's like, it's like, well, I'm dead. Everybody dies. Everybody dies. And what's funny is that, so like, you know, reasonably, Ned in the other, um, the other two. The other two the other are two. just like, no, we don't want to go down. Um, so Ned's like fighting and they're like fighting him back. Like, no, you must die with the rest of us. It's like, are all of you really that suicidal where you're just like, okay, well, yeah, we'll just go down with you. Yeah, the captain's dead. What else do we got to do? I mean, shit, I've had nothing to live for. So, so they end up getting off and God, how did it even end? They they climb into the little, like, boat, the little, like, what do they call it? Like, this, not that, mm, there's a term for it, like, the the one that they can, you can use, like, go, like, to go Robo? trips. There's a name for it, though, and I'm sure someone will, like, tell me or chastise me. Metal rowboat. Metal rowboat. <laughs> yes, it's the metal rowboat. They get in the little away boat, uh, you know, as the Nautilus is going down and flee. With the seal. The seal makes it out. Yes, the seal. Oh, we didn't. We weren't even really talking about the seal. They did add it to the movie, which I didn't mind, is that there's a random seal. Yeah. And it's fucking cute. Yeah, it's constantly, you know, getting to animal shenanigans, like making noise, like, whoosh, 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 we gotta give them treats to shut them up or something. Then 
you know, Kirk Douglas is singing a song with it. And it's slapping its It's slippers and being cute. Pretty much. I mean, it's no Bart the Bear, but... It doesn't have that going for it, no. But then, yeah, so in the... Yeah, basically, isn't it they just get out and that's the end of the movie? Yeah, like they've escaped. Okay, you watch like the island blow up in the background. Yeah. Because cause Nemo's like, Oh, I see people have found my island. Time to blow up my Death Star. Self-destruct sequence initiating all that. And if you haven't ever heard James, was it Mason? Yes. Talk. Tim just did a very good impression of him. He, he does, yeah. I've got that going, huh? Like, yeah. I can do a bunch of dead actors. There you go. That's, that's my one view talent. You're good, you're good at sounding like people. No one your age recognizes. Yeah. Yay! How <laughs> you seduced me. That's true, because you knew. I did. Uh, and then in the book, there's they're, they're about to go in, but like... There's like a bad storm that's showing up, and then um, a maelstrom. Yeah, and then they're they're about to like hop in the boat because they're in the middle of like unbolting it so they can get in it, and then they basically the the Nautilus is sucked in. Yeah, to a whirlpool. Yeah, and then it just jumps forward, and Aranak says, "And we woke up, and we were alive." And we don't know how we got out, but we did, and the end, and it basically ends like there. It's like everything I wrote is true. Uh. Don't, don't, you know, try to wiki anything I said, because yeah. it, it's totally true. The end. And you, it, it's, it's just such an abrupt ending, especially for everything else. There was such long explanations. It's like, okay, I thought of everything else, but you know what? I, I really want to go to this titty bar later tonight, but my book's due tomorrow. Fuck it. Um, amnesia, basically. Blah, yeah. blah, blah. You know, it's, everyone was safe in their bed the whole time. Yeah. End of story. Now, two things we haven't mentioned. Yeah. One, the squid. That's true. We have, um, we have a cool squid. This squid happens in both. Although in the book, it's multiple squids, <laughs> isn't it? Yeah. Where in the movie, obviously it'd be hard to do multiple squids, but they had one squid attack the Nautilus. And I will say, for a movie that's six years old... That effect held up really well. Yeah, it's a nice, they did it's a, a great good, job. Yeah, it's a very awesome practical effect. You know, very well well done, well shot. Yeah, and then, you know, there I, I didn't quite understand it, but for some reason there are some Japanese schoolgirls on board during that scene. Right, and they immediately throw themselves panties first at the at the monster. Yeah, and then like their asses are towards the tentacles, but somehow the tentacle then comes out their mouth. I don't quite know how it na- navigated, but it worked. It, it worked. worked. It was. I, it still holds up. Hey, like I don't, said, don't question Walt's logic. Okay. Yeah. The man. Knew he, he had was a doing. vision. He did. And, and in the book, well, in the book i don't think the movie but in the book someone does die from the squid well that's when they do the that's what i think triggers the whole underwater funeral in the book no it was it was something else because that body doesn't get recovered and that's what they were upset about they mentioned that like oh it wouldn't be able to get buried i think i think it might have been the warship or god i don't remember but the other the other big thing to mention is uh the whole uh, South Pole. Right. Well, there's the whole 
segment, which that was actually kind of fun in the book. Like, that's where it picked up a bit for me. Because they, yeah. they go to explore the South Pole. Because Nemo's like, fuck it, you know, I can make it. I'm not bothered by, you know, winter ocean storms or anything. I'm under, I, we travel under the water. Yep. So they get there, and I, I think they, he, like, yeah, he, he ends up, and it's it's off, obviously, because I don't know if anyone had actually fully been there. But, yeah, he gets to the South Pole, plants a flag. He's like, it's mine. Took a few days, though, because they, they were trying to determine, based on the sun, if they were at the true most southern point of the... Of the globe. Uh, yeah. And they eventually determine it. But the problem is, while they're leaving, because they have to go... They have to go fairly deep to avoid, because they're icebergs, and... If you know anything about icebergs, most of it is underwater. So although they can avoid a lot of things, it still takes a while to navigate. They get stuck. Because one, while they happen to be like going near it, starts to turn. So basically it scoops them up in a way. And then they're kind of surrounded on all sides. Yeah. And it gets to the point where they realize that they can't go forward or back because they're just, they're locked in, they're caged in. Yeah. Uh, so they're like, okay, we're gonna have to dig out. But the issue is that they only have enough air to last, what, like four or five days at the most? At the most, yeah. And so it's them, dig like, with pickaxes, digging through a whole thing of ice. And then not only that, but after a few days, because it's so cold, the ice starts to form around the Nautilus. So even if they get properly dug through the ice they're gonna be sol anyway so then they have to what did they do just they ran they ended up running things so hot water was coming off the nautilus yeah so it would at least keep the ice at bay right so they wouldn't be completely trapped and they could still try to chip away the ice wall in front of them so that part was a kind of fun little little like you know underwater psychological horror a little bit yeah you know feeling the air get thin as they slowly Go crazy. Hope well, not crazy, but yeah. Uh, also, there's the scene in the movie which they kind of change from the book a little bit because there's the they do run across some natives mm-hmm. uh, in an island, like basically an uncolonized group of people, for lack of a better term. They like park the Nautilus and it kind of like brings at the natives and they sort of attack it. I don't remember exactly why, just because they were invaders, maybe. In in the and, book, they were. They were actually allowed on land, uh, the three, because it was some like remote island, and they're like, we want to go hunting, because they wanted some meat that wasn't... Fish. Yeah. They're like, we want something that's clearly ate grass. Yeah, red meat. Yeah, we're a bit hungry. So they're out there doing that, and like I think the first day or two, they don't come across them. And it's like the third day, all of a sudden, they get attacked... But they quickly retreat back to the boat, but that doesn't do them much good because at that point the boat is kind of stranded because it ended up on this one area that I think like basically the low tide had come in, so they need to wait a few days for the tide to come back properly so they could actually like float away. So they're leading all these natives or savages how, or <laughs> however you want to think of them. Yeah. Well, in the movie, they explicitly call them cannibals. Yeah, which I'm just like, how do you know they're cannibals? Because Ned sees a bunch of skulls, but I would assume more that like, they they're, they're warning. Right, like, stay the fuck off our property, dick. You don't trespass here. 
Yeah. You know, it's like when you go across someone's yard and you see a a truck up on a bunch of cinder blocks and the lawn hasn't been mowed in a month and a there's a there's a 1957 kelvinator refrigerator with a missing door sitting you know right near the front entrance yeah yeah you, you know not to go there pretty much uh so yeah then in in the movie they because they lead him back and then they're like oh they're coming he's like oh it's okay and they're like start to come on the nautilus and then they do this thing where it basically starts to electrocute them and then they all flee yeah. Yeah. James Mason just turns on the turns on the electricity, shocks the shit out of anyone touching the hull, and they're like, "Yes, better defenses than anything." <laughs> High voltage, painful, but not deadly. But was there anything else we really want to talk about for the book? Uh, just a lot of the terms are very outdated, and not not so much because they're nautical terms. I mean, think about it; it's 150 years. Like they keep calling the the squid a cuttlefish and that really confused me for a while yep. i just kept thinking of south park it's like do i have the vanilla pudding or the asparagus and cuttlefish there's also they mentioned a few times and i don't know how prevalent this was but there's there's a there's a lot of nods to like you know like uh the generation of continents and whatnot like because before you know plate theory tectonics and all that uh no one really knew where continents came from but, like, they make nods to, like, oh, you know, these coral reefs growing up and eventually, you know, building up and creating their own continent, a new continent. Some things like that. Which yeah. is Which is kind of fun that it's a time capsule of the moment and learning at the time, like, all just locked in place. Where some things are kind of accurate, like, you know, the description how to make, like, a, a submarine work and all that based on steampunk technology basically yeah but i think overall nothing's screaming to me like oh you ignorant bastard yeah and i i will i will admit to my own ignorance whenever i heard this title Twenty Thousand leagues under the sea i was thinking Twenty Thousand leagues straight down which would not be possible no well to be fair that's kind of what i thought too like because you know who the fuck knows what how big a league is yeah well and it's one of those terms i've heard a lot of times in books like fairy tales there's the seven league boots yeah and uh and and it's one of those things where i'm like okay i'm I'm assuming you could travel far and fast in these but beyond that i don't know what seven league means and then we looked it up, and a league is what, like one point something miles, nautical miles. So it, it's a twenty thousand leagues traveled distance, not length, or how would you? It's not depth; it's distance. Right. How far their whole journey is yeah. about? Because about. they they said in the trivia information for the movie is that 20,000 leagues would mean that they traveled the globe two and a half times. And in the, they don't establish it in the movie, but in the book, it's over the course of, I think like 10 months. Something like that. It's a pretty long time. Yeah. Cause there are a lot of dates thrown about. Cause I think it's around late October, early November when he ends up on the Nautilus. And then, yeah, it's like August or September or something, I think, when they finally get out. So, would you recommend the book, the movie, both? Of both. I mean, they're definitely a good read. Like, it's definitely, like, if you... Reading through it, you can see the seeds of, like, early science fiction, which is fun. Yes. Uh, 
just be prepared to deal with lots of terms that are probably not something you hear in everyday speak and or modern books and novels. Uh, the movie is worth one watch, I think. I mean... I think even... Yeah, just for that squid scene, that's awesome. Yeah, like that part was really great. A lot of it... I mean, there's some weird oddball moments that don't really stitch together that well to form a coherent plot, but honestly, yeah. like... Just part, random squid attack. It's like, that That made everything a lot better. Part of what makes it weird to me, too, is that the music is, like, it's not necessarily bad, but it's similar to a lot of the music Disney used around that time. Yeah. So it, it kind of would pull me out on occasion, because I'd almost get, like, a vibe, like, I start thinking, like, the parent trap, or, like, <laughs> like oh, summer magic. And it's just, it's like, no, no, this isn't quite working. Any minute, Mary Poppins is going to show up and wail on the squid, and you, shoo, shoo, I say. Oh, Darby O'Gill and the little people. <laughs> yes. Well, they were bobbing along under the beautiful briny sea. Oh, my God. Bed knobs and broomsticks. Love it. Now, who, who had a better underwater scene? Ooh. Them or... <laughs> It's tough. It's, it's tough. Angela Lansbury, who also is old as shit and yeah. is still kicking. Somehow. Yeah. Because, yeah, I think she might be in her mid-90s at this point. Are you looking that I up? I am going to look it up. I know, because she... Ooh, speaking of which, we'll have to do that, because she's in the original uh, Portrait of Dorian Gray. So we'll have to do that at some point. Yes, and it was weird, because I think I mentioned this in the other discussion. Oh, 25... Oh, no, she just turned 90 then. Yeah. Still, that's pretty fucking old. Yeah. Doesn't have anything on Kirk Douglas, though. Sorry, lady. Yeah. Not yet. Not yet. Actually, I think Bedknobs and Broomsticks might be based on a book. It could be. Could do that as well. So many possibilities. There's a lot. There's a whole bunch. Yeah. Usually it'll be... Yeah, what kind of the writers? Yeah. Like, oh, you know, original story or book. Book. There's a book yep. by Mary Norton. The Maybe. That's... Because I feel like that's one of those Disney movies that's... She wrote The Borrowers as well. Kind of forgotten. What, Bedknobs and Broomsticks? Yeah, more so by, like, the generation after ours. I think because it, the VHS for it came out when we were kids. Right. So I think a number of us happened to see it because of that, but... They don't I, really show it or talk. No, they I don't. Mean, it's no Song of the South, so I don't know oh why they hide it, you know. But yeah, it's definitely not... <laughs> Like maybe no, we're, maybe we're the, go the back. only way we can do Song of the South is if we go to Splash Mountain. Yeah, pretty much. And then we'll do the recording on Splash Mountain. Or in front of. Yes, there we go. Disney would love us, that, us sitting up in front of their, in front of one of their rides and doing an hour-long podcast. And then, yeah. Be like, what are you guys doing in our park? And why are you wasting an hour hanging out here? <laughs> oh, my God. But yeah, I think overall, um, especially the book is free domain. So... Yeah. Even if you don't have, like, a Kindle or anything, you can still get it and read it on your computer. Right. For free. Yeah, for free. And and it's not just that there are... Look into free domain books. Well, that's that's kind of a nice thing about the modern age. There's tons of, like, apps you can get in your phone that can read books. And mm-hmm. you can get, free, you know, again, free-to-read domain. And, yeah. I mean, and there's a lot of classics that it's easy to get your hands on, like... I'm going. I'm still going through because that's another hard read. Sometime we'll have to do Count of Monte Cristo, but that's a long fucking book. Like, uh, I'm not even halfway. I've just been 
chipping away at it every few days. Is that by Mr. Dumbass? Yep, by Mr. Dumbass. <laughs> uh, and for those that don't get it, it's Dumois. Yeah. Anyway, I think that about wraps us up. Uh, what do we have going next for our... Do we have? Uh, we are doing a listener suggestion, which is The Giver. Uh, Viva La Panda suggested it. Right. Which only recently got adapted. Yes. Considering it's been around for a little while. Uh, and I don't even know who wrote it. Are you looking that up? Yeah. I was kind of curious when it was actually published. I remember it was kind of a big deal. 1993. Oh, okay. wow. So it is a little older. Yeah. Not not 80s, but yeah. yeah. What's the author's name? Um, Cliff. No. Lo- Lewis Laurie. Lois Laurie. Yeah. Lois. 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 L-O-I-S. A yes. person. You can't person. spell silo without Lois. Yeah. <laughs> Peter Griffin taught me that. Yeah. Hey, speaking of which, did you know there was an old electronic star that you have uh, chain called silo? Was there? Yes. If I, I want to wonder if they're still in business. Have you ever smelled someone after they've helped clean out a silo? Uh-uh. Fucking stinks. Cool. I always knew when my brother did that because he'd come home from working on the farm and just reek. Like, you think cow shit is bad? Oh, no. No. When, when a silo gets cleaned out, that is a stink that you will not forget. That, oh. that is Midwest farming. Yeah, that's the lesson right now. That's that that store. Apparently, they, they the chain closed in '95, but I used to go there to buy like clearance shit. Like you know, that's how we had VCRs and things. That's how they went out of business. Your dad was buying everything on clearance. He wasn't paying full price. I know. My God, we are so getting off topic. A I know. Lot that's, this what one. <laughs> that's what we do. It's okay. Well, what's there? There's not like a lot to criticize. Like the movie, it's true. The movie it's is like, well done. I mean, other than yeah. the random, the one song, like, it, it is the kind of thing where it crops up and it just feels like Disney's like, well, everyone knows us for musicals, so we got to put at least one song Yeah, somewhere. and I, although I didn't tell you, apparently the director of the movie is the son of the head of a competing studio against Disney, where the guy was like, oh, are you sure you want to hire me? Do you know who my dad is? And they're like, yeah, we know. We just think you'll be the best because i guess the guy it it was like a studio that did like a bunch of just everyday cartoons like one i saw was like mr chirpy goes happy or go lucky or something like it was something with like a grasshopper and i think like trying to get with a lady or something i don't know it's weird stuff no like, like I, I, basically we see those like weird gifts of like old timey cartoons i think when they're not disney it was this guy's yeah now i did want to point out that this director by the way has done you know he did a lot of shit like a lot just if you may not have seen something he's done but you've heard of something he's done like soylent green or torah 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 or let's see red sonia for those any any conan red sonia fans probably like i'm the only one who's seen that movie a thousand times uh yeah yeah his filmography is kind of impressive in in that but yeah yeah not the original conan but he has conan the destroyer so there's that yep i think that was kind of cool so i mean but yeah with so little to criticize and i mean with really the source material being kind of a big sprawling thing the adaptation of the movie there's nothing really they could get wrong other than maybe making nemo like a british guy or something and Making him fly to space. Yeah. I mean, uh, there wasn't a lot to fuck I, up. I will say the best 
Nemo ever has to be from League of Extraordinary Gentlemen. Yeah. Because that guy just kicked ass. Yeah, pretty much. That guy, that guy's awesome. Yeah, like if they ever do, if they really do ever get to start the 20,000 things under the sea, they should grab him and make him be Nemo. Yeah. Because, yeah. Like, I don't mind Mason, but that other guy, like, just really sells Nemo, I think. Oh, and apparently, oh, I did want to throw one one little fun trivia thing while reading through the wiki. Apparently, I mentioned this to Vanessa before we started, was that the uh, Nemo was supposed to be Polish, and who fought against the Russians, and that was his, like, big thing. Like, that's why he d- d- stepped away. I guess, apparently, because France was allied with Russia at the time, uh, the publishers changed it to where he, like, basically changed it to where he was a... Uh, like a, a Muslim prince or something like that who fought against like, or actually no, he was an Indian prince who fought against the East India company making the bad guys that he hated were British. Cause that was safe. Yeah. Yeah. That's kind of funny. I thought that was, was amusing. So anyway, should we tell them where they can contact us or send us suggestions? Oh, sure. Sure. So if you want to send comments or have, I don't know, just yell at us or, Tell us about how wrong we were. Yeah. Always. Uh, you can always reach us at Tim at anime hyphen pulse.com or Vanessa at anime hyphen pulse.com. Uh, you can also find us on the forums. The forums should be back up now. So you should be able to reach out to us. Uh, we'll probably start some, I don't know, threads or something listing what we're going to be doing and then having discussions on there if you want. Otherwise, you can also reach out to me at uh, my Twitter account, which is AP underscore Vanessa underscore, where I have taken people's suggestions. We do have a spreadsheet where we have them written down. So we do listen through all those means. Yeah, as we pick back up some speed, hopefully. and Yes. We should be getting through more of those, but this is just... Obviously, it's been a, a couple of months since we've been able to do a full recording, do it live, because we prefer to have live listeners. Whereas me and Waltall, I mean, we like live listeners, but in the end, we just we'll, we'll do the show regardless. This yeah. is an extra sort of thing for me. Yeah. So we hope to hear from you. Yes, and thank you for Veilreth and Zaldira for showing up. Uh, it was good to have people listening live again while we do a recording. It's very exciting. Yes. Anyway, we'll check everyone later, and thanks again for listening. Poop deck.